Chapter Nine of William and Englishman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. William and Englishman by Cicely Hamilton. Chapter Nine. One of the features of the interview that struck William later on was this during all the long minutes that it lasted griselda had spoken no words for once the tumult and amazement of her soul was beyond her glib power of expression and it was only as they came into the open air that for the first time since she had seen the hostages die she unclosed her lips and spoke what are they going to do with us she asked her voice was husky and uncertain and the words came out in little jerks william gave the question no answer for one thing because his ignorance of their destiny was as thorough as his wife's for another because speech by reason of heinz's firm grip on his collar was so difficult as to be almost impossible the man had his knuckles thrust tightly between shirt and skin william purpled and gasped as he trotted down the street with a collar stud pressing on his windpipe behind him when he started came griselda and her guard as he could not twist his head to look over his shoulder he had no suspicion that the couples had parted company and it was not until his captor turned him sharply to the right down a by-road leading to the station that he discovered in rounding the corner that his wife and her escort were no longer following in his footsteps the momentary sidelong glimpse he gave of the road gave him never a sight of griselda she had vanished without word or sign for a moment he could hardly believe it and walked on stupidly in silence then the stupor passing his terror found voice and he clamoured where's my wife he cried out and writhed instinctively to free himself his reward was a tightening of the german's stranglehold some most hearty abuse and some even heartier kicks under the punishment he lost his foothold and would have fallen but for heinz's clutch upon his collar when the punishment was over he was brought up trembling and choking in that moment he suffered the fiercest of torments the fire of an ineffectual hate he hated heinz and could have torn him but he had been taught the folly of blind wrestling with the stronger and for griselda's sake he swallowed his fury and cringed where is she he begged most humbly and pitifully as heinz thrust him forward again for mercy's sake tell me what you have done with my wife with my wife if you will only let me know where she is that's all just to let me know he was answered by the silence of contempt and a renewed urge along the road he obeyed because he could do no other whimpering aloud in the misery of this new and sharpest of misfortunes as he pled and whimpered terrible thoughts came hurrying into his brain all things were possible in these evil times and among these evil men and there was a dreadful hideously familiar phrase anent licentious soldiery a phrase that had once been just a phrase and that was now a present horror beating hard in his burning head he stumbled on with the tears running down his cheeks and discovered suddenly that he was whispering under his breath the name of god all things else having failed him he did not realize that he was sobbing and shedding great tears until halfway along the road when a german soldier met them the man as he passed turned his head to laugh at the sight of a face grotesque and distorted in its wretchedness whereupon there flared up again in william that new sense of blood and breed 
and with it an instant rush of shame that he had wept before these germans he gulped back his tears strove to stiffen his face and clenched his hands to endure he had need in the hours that came after of all his powers of endurance alike of body and of mind the day that already seemed age long was far from being at its height when griselda was taken away from him and all through the heat till close upon sundown he was put to hard physical toil level with the village the railway line had been torn up and the little wayside station was a half-burnt mass of wreckage a detachment of retreating belgians had done their best to destroy it had derailed an engine and half a dozen tracks and done such damage as time allowed to a stretch of the permanent way in its turn a detachment of germans was hard at work at removal of the wreckage and repairs to the line and into their service they had pressed such villagers as had not fled at their approach a cowed unhappy band they toiled and sweated dug carried loads and levelled the broken soil some stupidly submissive some openly sullen to their captors some pitiably eager to please all serfs for the time being and all of them ignorant of what the next hour might bring forth of further terror or misfortune to this captive little company william tully was joined handed over by heinz to its taskmaster to become of them all the most pitiable because for the first time in all his days set to bend his back and use his muscles in downright labour of the body what to others was merely hardship to him became torment unspeakable he wearied he sweated he ached from head to heel when he pulled at heavy wreckage he cut his soft clumsy fingers when he dragged a load or carried it he strained his unaccustomed back his hands bled and blistered and the drops of perspiration poured off him when he worked slowly because of his weariness or lack of skill authority made no allowance for either and a blow often followed a curse sometimes incomprehensible orders were shouted at him and he would run to obey confusedly for fear of the punishment meted out without mercy to the dilatory guessing at what was required of him sometimes rightly and sometimes wrongly the day remained on his mind as an impression of muddled terror and panic intense and unceasing when he thought he was not being watched he would lift his head from his toil and strain his eyes this way and that in the hope of a glimpse of griselda unspeakably greater than his fear for himself was the measure of his fear for his wife he knew that somewhere she must be held by force in the same way that he was held otherwise she would have sought him out long ere this and even if not allowed to approach or speak would have managed to see him and make him some sign that his heart might be set at rest his brain was giddy with undefined horror and once or twice he started and raised his head imagining that griselda was calling to him once when he looked up his eye caught the bluff towering over the valley and he remembered with an incredulous shock that it was only yesterday that he and his wife stretched out on the turf had watched the galloping of the ants of soldiers beneath it that it was not a day since they had listened indifferently to the mutter of guns in the distance and talked with superior detachment of manoeuvres and the folly of militarism side by side on the short-cropped turf they had watched unmoved and listened without misgiving only yesterday nay only this morning when the sun rose the world was the world and not hell 
he knew though engrossed by his private agony he did not give it much heed that all the afternoon there was heavy traffic on the road that ran through the village traffic going this way and that now and again through the clatter of the work around him its rumble came to his ears noisy cars went by and heavy guns regiments of infantry and once or twice a company of swift-moving horse that sped westward in a flurry of dust as the hot industrious hours crawled by even his terror for griselda was swallowed up in the numbing and all-pervading sense of bodily exhaustion and ill-being in the consciousness of throbbing head parched mouth and miserable back at midday when the captives were doled out a ration of meat and bread he lay like a log for the little space during which he was allowed to rest and resting he dreaded from the bottom of his soul the inevitable call back to work with it all was the hopeless the terrifying sense of isolation he was removed even from his fellow-sufferers held apart from them not only by the barrier of their alien speech but by his greater feebleness and greater physical suffering only once during those sun-smitten and aching hours did he feel himself akin to any of the men around him when a flat-capped sturdy young german soldier taking pity on his manifest unfitness for the work muttered some good-natured incomprehensible encouragement and handed him a bottle to drink from the sharp taste of beer was a liquid blessing to william's dry tongue and parched throat he tilted the bottle and drank in great gulps till he choked whereat the flat-capped german boy soldier laughed consumedly but not unkindly it must have been well on in the afternoon for the shadows were beginning to lengthen though the sun burned hotly as ever when over the noises of the toil around him and over the rumble of traffic on the road the persistent beat of guns became loud enough to make itself noticeable all day william had heard it at intervals during his brief rest at midday it had been frequent but distant now it had spurted into sudden nearness and was rapid frequent continuous a little group of his fellow toilers looked up from their work as they heard the sound drew closer together and exchanged mutterings till an order checked them sharply and even after the order was rapped out one square-shouldered brown-faced countryman continued to stare down the valley with stubbornly determined eyes william's eyes followed the countryman's and for a moment saw nothing but what he had seen before cliffs the river and the hot blue sky without a feather of cloud to it then suddenly away down the valley there puffed out a ball of white smoke and before it had faded another the man with the stubborn eyes grunted something beneath his breath and turned again to his work william continuing to gaze curiously at the bursting puffs was reminded of his duties by a louder shout and the threat of a lifted arm he too bent again and with haste to his work to look up furtively as the thunder deepened and see always those bursts of floating cloud down the valley or against the hot horizon he knew or rather guessed in after days when his sublime ignorance of all things military had been tempered by the newspapers by daily war talk and by actual contact with the soldier that the sudden appearance of those bursting puffs had indicated some temporary and local check to the advancing german divisions that a french or belgian force must have pushed or fought its way across a triangular plateau between the meuse and its tributary must have driven before them the germans in the act of occupying it 
must have brought up their guns and commanded for the moment a stretch of the lateral valley and the line of communications along it it was not left long in unmolested possession thereof nearer guns answered it swiftly from all directions from other heights and from the valley shells whined overhead from time to time the ground shook and it dawned upon william as he looked and listened that what he saw was a battle at first he was more impressed by the thought than he was by the actuality since the effects of the conflict were not in the beginning terrible true there was something threatening in the nearby thudding of a german battery when first it made itself heard but such harm as it inflicted was unseen by william and for the space of an hour or so it drew no returning fire and the village stood untouched and undamaged but as the evening drew in the thunder deepened and quickened both sides it would seem had brought up reinforcements and guns opened fire from new and unexpected places from heights from behind garden walls down the road along which william had been urged with ungentleness by heinz a gun team clattered and jingled at breakneck speed it pulled up close to the railway line not fifty yards from the spot where the prisoners were working in the shadow of a clump of young trees the gun was placed swiftly in position the horses were led away and after a momentary interval the men began to fire steadily swiftly on the order william watched them with his mouth wide open till reminded smartly of his idleness they were so swift precise and machine-like it required an effort of the imagination to remember what they were doing killing he said to himself those men are killing and he found himself wondering what their faces looked like while they killed whether they liked doing it he supposed later when that first ignorance of things military was a little less sublime that the firing from the immediate neighbourhood of the village had at first inflicted but little damage on the opposing forces on the heights at any rate it remained practically unanswered till close upon sunset the french or belgian gunners concentrating their fire upon enemies nearer more aggressive or more vulnerably placed perhaps he never knew for certain they had got the better for the time being of those other more aggressive or more vulnerable opponents perhaps they had received reinforcements which had enabled them to push higher up the valley or had at last been punished by a fire hitherto ineffectual whatever the cause as the sun grew red to the westward a first shell screamed on to the dusty road outside the village and burst in a pother of smoke and flying clods william heard the burst and saw the cloud rise he was still round-eyed with another shell screamed overhead to find its billet in a garden wall a few yards behind the battery scattering the stones thereof and splintering the boughs of an apple tree a shower of broken fragments came pattering about the station william was perhaps too much stupefied for pain and weariness to understand the extent of his danger but several of his fellows stirred uneasily and two of them threw down their spades and started in headlong flight they were brought up swiftly by the threat of a bayonet in their path one of them came back sullenly dumb the other whimpering aloud with a hand pressed to his face william saw that his cheek was bleeding where a flying fragment had caught it he was looking at the man as he nursed his torn face and bemoaned himself when a third shell struck what remained of the station roof william did not know whether he fell on his face instinctively or was thrown by the force of the explosion he remembered only that as he scrambled to his feet 
half deafened and crying for help he saw through a settling cloud of dust the disappearing backs of some three or four men who were all of them running away from him he was seized with a mortal terror of being left alone in this torment of thunder and disaster he believed he must be hurt perhaps hurt to the death and a pang of rage and self-pity went through him at the thought of his desertion by his fellows he started after the vanishing backs calling out to them to wait abusing and appealing and stumbling over ruin as he ran the distant gunners had found their enemy's range and he had not made half a dozen yards when he ducked to the threat of another shell that burst as he thought close beside him he cringed and shivered for a moment covering his eyes with his hands then finding himself uninjured darted off at an angle still shielding his eyes and gasping out god oh god for mercy's sake oh god he knew in every fibre of his trembling body that he was about to die and his prayer was meant not only for himself but for griselda as he ran on blindly an animal wild and unreasoning a hand caught him above the ankle and he screamed aloud with rage and terror at finding himself held fast let me go he cried struggling then as the hand still gripped bent down to rest himself free and looked into a face that he knew a young plump face with a budding moustache surmounted by a flat german cap it was twisted now into a grin of agony but all the same he recognized the face of the german boy soldier who had dealt kindly with him that afternoon in the matter of the bottle of beer he was lying on his back and covered from the middle downwards with a litter of broken beam and ironwork blown away from the ruin of the station the effect of the recognition on william was curiously and instantly sobering he was no longer alone in the hell where the ground reeled and men ran from him he was no longer an animal wild and unreasoning but a man with a definite human relationship to the boy lying broken at his feet he began to lift the wreckage from the crushed legs and talked as he did so forgetting that the wounded man in all likelihood understood not a word of his english all right i'll get it off i'll help you you were good to me giving me a drink so i'll stay and help you otherwise i oughtn't to wait not a minute you see i must look for my wife my first duty is to her she's my wife and i don't know where she is but i won't leave you like this because of what you did for me this afternoon he wrenched and tugged at the shattered and entangled wreckage till the boy shrieked aloud in his torment the cry terrified william and he desisted wringing his hands i'm sorry i'm sorry but i couldn't help it god knows i didn't mean to hurt you and if i could be gentler i would but it's so damnably damnably heavy oh god if someone would come and help me if someone would only come you see it's so heavy i can't move it without hurting you he explained and apologized to ears that heard not for the boy had fainted in his pain his deep unconsciousness made extrication easier and william tugged again at the lumber until he had tugged it away one of the wounded man's legs was a wrenched and bloody mass william shuddered at the sight looked down stupidly at the dead white face and wondered what was to be done then feeling that something must, must at least be tried put his arms round the inert body and strove to lift it from the ground the only results were breathlessness on his part and a groan from the unconscious german william dropped him instantly on hearing the groan trembling at the idea of inflicting yet more suffering torn by the thought of griselda longing to go and yet ashamed to leave the boy soldier without aid he might have hesitated longer but for a fresh explosion and crash of falling masonry 
it was followed by a long-drawn screaming intolerable to hear and i i i of unspeakable bodily pain with a sudden sense of being hunted being driven beyond endurance william turned and shook his impotent fists in the direction of the unseen guns can't you stop one moment he screamed idiotically hating them and dancing with rage can't you stop you devils you devils don't you see i'm only trying to help him if he had ever made any distinction between friend and enemy artillery he had lost all idea of it now the guns for the moment were a private persecution of himself and he was conscious only of being foully and brutally bullied by monstrous forces with whom he argued and at whom he cursed and spat it was the sight of what had once been a horse that brought him again to his senses his eye fell on it as he danced in his mad ineptitude at the side of the helpless german it had been one of the team that galloped a gun down the by-road and was now a pulp of raw flesh crushed bone and most hideously scattered entrail he stared for a moment at the horror incredulous and frozen then sickened turned and ran from it in a passion of physical loathing for a minute or two he ran he knew not whither straight ahead anywhere to be away from the horror then as his shuddering sickness passed there rushed back the thought of griselda and he reproached himself that he had halted even for a moment and even for a purpose of mercy all his energies both of mind and body were turned to the finding of his wife they must die he was sure of it he prayed only that they die together the way he had taken lay outside the walled gardens between the village and the railway line and as he ran he called her griselda griselda in a voice that he hardly caught himself so persistent was the uproar of the guns when he fled from the neighbourhood of the dismembered horse he had left behind him the path leading directly to the main street of the village which it was his aim to reach since there he had last seen griselda seeking another way to it he halted when he came to a door in the wall wrestled with the latch and flung himself angrily against it it resisted locked and he ran on again still panting out his wife's dear name twenty yards farther on he came to another door in the wall and this time it opened to his hand in the garden beyond was no sign of the chaos that had overwhelmed his world since the morning an orderly border of orderly flowers espaliered walls and a tree or two ruddy with apples and on a shaven plot of the greenest grass an empty basket chair with beside it a white cat reposing with her paws tucked under her chin the white cat may have been deaf or she may have been merely intrepid whatever the cause her nerves were unaffected by the fury of conflict and she dozed serenely under shell-fire the embodiment of comfortable dignity she opened a warily observant eye when william rushed into her garden but being a well-fed cat and accustomed to deference she took no further precaution she stirred not even when he hurried past her to her dwelling-house and as he entered it by an open window her nose descended to rest on her folded paws the room he ran into through the open window left no impression on the mind of william tully it was dark after the sunlight outside and he supposed it must have been empty he went rapidly along the short passage beyond it making for the front door he met no one heard no one and his fingers were touching the latch when he saw through an open door to the right of him the figure of a kneeling woman she was stout dressed in black and grey-headed and she knelt leaning on a chair in the middle of the polished floor 
her eyes were closed her lips moved and her hands were clasped under her chin the sound of william's feet did not reach her through the tumult of fighting without nor did he stay to disturb her when he lived in the world and not hell it would have seemed to him strange and unfitting that he should intrude on an old woman's privacy and secret prayer now nothing was strange nothing unfitting or impossible he supposed that she was the white cat's mistress noted without emotion that her cheeks were wet with tears and thought vaguely that her face was familiar that he had seen it somewhere before afterwards it came to him that he had seen it when the hostages died in the morning that it was she who had prayed in the road with folded hands and pressed her crucifix to the mayor's long grey moustache he wondered then what became of her and her well-fed indifferent cat that was afterwards many weeks afterwards for the time being he had no interest to give her his thoughts were only of griselda and the means by which she might be found his plan so far as it could be called a plan was to run from house to house in the village street until he came to the place where she was captive but when he stepped into the road it was to find it impossible of passage by reason of the men and vehicles that choked the stretch in front of him almost opposite the door he came through a motor ambulance going eastward with its load had collided with an ammunition wagon going west thus bringing to a standstill more ammunition wagons and a battery of horse artillery its foremost ranks thrown back in confusion by a threatening skid of the ambulance there was much whistling and shouting of orders in the attempt to reform and clear the road horses reared from the suddenness with which they were pulled up and men ran to their heads to steady them while the locked wheels were wrestled with a bandaged bloody face peered round the tail of the ambulance the press swayed to and fro filling the road from side to side and william unable to move flattened back against the door from which he had issued out of reach of the wicked heels of a restive horse for the first moment he expected someone to seize and arrest him and had he not unthinkingly closed the door behind him he would have beat a hasty retreat but there was bloodier and busier work on hand than the corralling of strayed civilians and no man touched or questioned him as he pressed himself against the neat green-painted door struggling with their own most urgent concerns not a soldier so much as noticed him and it was borne in on william that if the wicked heels had caught him and kicked his life out not a man would have noticed that either farther down the street was a cloud of slowly rising black smoke and suddenly through it a banner of flame leaped up and waved triumphantly one of the tidy two-storied houses had been set afire by a shell as william watched the resplendent flare the crowd round the two vehicles composed itself into something like order and the ambulance its driver by the excited movements of his mouth still shouting out angry explanations was back from the path of the advancing troops and thrust crippled against the wall the guns on one side of the road the wagons on the other stirred forward at first slowly then as the line straightened itself out with a rattle of increasing speed as they passed the house afire the smoke rolled down on them and hid them from william's sight end of chapter nine recording by expatriate in bangor maine